0: This is an RNZ podcast.
1: Seven days have now passed since the U.S. media ran the numbers one more time and finally declared Joe Biden the winner of the U.S. presidential election. And some in the media there didn't hold back on their personal feelings about that, like Van Jones on CNN.
0: It's easier to tell your kids character matters. It matters. Telling the truth matters. Being a good person matters
1: and for people in the media there who have been smeared by Donald Trump for so long as the enemy of the people it was probably hard to keep personal feelings out of it likewise at Rupert Murdoch's Fox News network where the hosts were big backers of Trump and the Republicans and they didn't like the result or sometimes even acknowledge it as legitimate and some in the media here had their hearts on their sleeves too and their objectivity back in the locker a bit on the latest uh, from the US. Let's begin it's to good order. to have a president this morning. Yeah, isn't it you, good? Yeah. How good was Kamala Harris's speech yesterday? Whoa. My goodness. I cried. Yeah, it was extraordinary. Yeah, it was right. beautiful. It was the team at TVNZ's breakfast show when they were back on the air on Monday morning. Now, when a story is so all-consuming across all media, perhaps it is hard for live hosts not to say something. But the day before, on RNZ's Sunday morning show, Waikato University lecturer Al Gillespie made this point.
2: Well, for, for us, it's a curiosity, while well, watching what happens with America. We're good friends, and the result won't really make that much difference. But if you're in Iran, or if you're in Venezuela, or if you're in China the outcome will have a direct impact on the way that your country works and your foreign policy is orientated. So if you're in Venezuela, the debate will be whether whether Biden will now start to talk to the regime again, or whether the sanctions will start to end. If you're in Iran, you may find that the, the chances of
1: conflict might start to diminish. And put like that, it does feel a bit like our media might have made a bit of a meal of the 2020 US election. But here we simply don't have anything like the partisanship they have in the US media or the hostility between the government and the mainstream news media reporting on it. But we don't have to look too far for a place that does. In Australia, the news outlets owned by Rupert Murdoch and the editorial staff they employ often take political sides to influence public opinion. One month ago, former Australian Prime Minister Kevin Rudd proclaimed Rupert Murdoch was a cancer on our democracy, and he launched a petition demanding a royal commission into his power and influence over the media there. And one month later, that petition was presented to the Federal Parliament with the signatures of more than half a million Australians on it. Now, One of them was from former Prime Minister and political rival Malcolm Turnbull, who told the ABC this last weekend. What's happened is that crazy, bitter partisanship of social media has taken over much of what we used to call the mainstream media. So the
2: Murdoch press that used to be, uh, you know, a journalistic operation, a news operation that tended to lean more to the right than the left,
1: has now become a vehicle of political propaganda. There is no, it is just a political operation. Now, there's no such thing as royal commissions in the US, of course, but when Kevin Rudd spoke to CNN about his petition on Monday, he hinted that they might like to try something similar in the US. What America does on that is a matter for America. But when I look at Fox and its central role in this presidential election campaign,
2: effectively as an arm of the Republican Party, I don't think it's been good for the overall Democratic project.
1: And as Hayden Donnell now reports, those who watch the media in the US have similar reservations.
2: In the aftermath of the U.S. presidential election, Americans have divided into two alternate realities. In the first, occupied by most media outlets and majority of voters, Joe Biden has become the president-elect after securing a decisive Electoral College victory. His next tasks are transitioning to the White House and picking an executive team. In the second occupied by a right-wing media like Fox News and millions of republicans shadowy forces have conspired to steal the election from their nominee Donald Trump only one of these realities is grounded in observable fact There's no evidence of widespread election fraud, no plausible explanation for how Democrats swung the presidential vote in multiple states, often under the noses of Republican state legislatures, while failing to generate that same swing towards down-ballot Democratic candidates in the House or Senate. Nearly every allegation put forward by Trump or his supporters has already been debunked. A lack of evidence hasn't stopped Trump or his allies trying to reinforce their own version of reality. The president has repeatedly called the election fraudulent and illegitimate, starting like this on election night.
1: This is a fraud on the
2: American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. He's been backed by media supporters, including Fox News primetime host Sean Hannity, who had this to say. Now, tonight, millions of Americans, you do feel betrayed, according to Politico. Look at this. 70% of Republicans, they don't believe this election was free, fair, and for good reason. We saw blatant election law violations in state after state. We've watched the poll observers push 6, 20, some even saying to cameras, and now an affidavit's 100 feet away. Republican leaders have also thrown their weight behind Trump, with Secretary of State Mike Pompeo promising a smooth transition of power to a second Trump administration. These efforts appear to be an attempt to undermine or steal the election, ironically marshaled online under the tagline, Stop the Steal. This has thrown up a dilemma for traditional media. A president's declarations are inherently newsworthy. So are the words of a senator or an elected official. But how do these organisations responsibly cover these statements when they know they're likely to mislead their audience and ultimately harm their country's democracy? Tech companies, too, have had to grapple with their own complicity in what's essentially an organised disinformation campaign. They've broken with their traditional hands-off approach to misinformation and added warnings to some of the most disingenuous posts on so-called election fraud. Despite that, misinformation continues to go viral, particularly on Facebook. Another dilemma faces politicians. On the night he was projected as the next president by every major news network in the US, Joe Biden had this to say It's time to put away the harsh rhetoric, lower the temperature, see each other again, listen to each other again. And to make progress, we have to stop treating our opponents as our enemies. They are not our enemies, they are Americans. They are Americans. The Bible Bible tells us, to everything there is a season, a time to build, a time to reap and a time to sow, and a time to heal. This is the time to heal in America. But how does someone like Biden achieve his stated aim of unifying or healing the country when millions of people are tuning into Fox News every night to be served a smorgasbord of baseless claims about election fraud? Matt Gertz is a senior fellow at Media Matters, an organisation set up to critique U.S. conservative media. He joined me to talk about what happens when a major party and its media backers become untethered from reality, and whether real journalists can do more to mitigate that damage. Hi, Matt, and welcome to Media Watch.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
2: So, your country's in seemingly a, a spiralling democratic crisis right now. Let's start with the traditional media on election night. Donald Trump comes out and does what everyone predicted he would do. He tells people the election was a fraud. Now, right from that moment, how should traditional media have treated his statements?
0: I think the primary problem actually starts with the statement itself. He should not have been aired on all of these networks to do something that we all knew he was going to do. This has been a problem throughout uh, the Trump administration. The press has a sort of general understanding that uh, President Trump lies constantly uh, on matters big and small, large and petty, but they have found themselves unable to cope with that uh, in any real way by taking obvious precautions like not broadcasting uh, his statements uh, publicly, but by instead recording them and being able to provide them with a little bit of context uh, rather than directly to their audiences. And so that, I, I think, is where the problem begins. You know, this was all predictable and predicted. And so the media was somewhat flat-footed on this. It, it, it always seems to be the case that uh, journalists start to realize what the problem is a little bit after the damage has already been done. And so you're seeing at least uh, an unwillingness now to carry statements from his press secretary about the election in the same sort of live manner. But again, you know this is sort of an ongoing assault on the democratic process coming from the president himself. And I think there's less urgency than, than you might like, given those circumstances coming from the press corps.
2: Is it just that there's this deep unwillingness from media and it's because it's baked into reporters that you need to be objective. I'm using air quotes around that word. You need to cover both sides. You need to give each side a fair hearing. And so this idea that you should just not cover one side or call out their claims as baseless, even if that's true, is something that press are really struggling with because it makes them feel like they're not being objective.
0: Yes, I think that President Trump is extremely good at taking advantage of the particular vulnerabilities of the U.S. media apparatus, of recognizing these holes in U.S. journalistic practices and and working them to his best advantage. And it's part of this the the process that the president uses, as Steve Bannon, uh, you know, his former longtime political advisor, said, the media is the enemy. Uh, the Democrats are there, but the media is the real enemy. And the way that you defeat them is, in his words, you flood the zone with shit. Mm. Um, you put out as much lies and misinformation and conspiracy theories. And nonsense as you can, because there's only so much of it that they'll be able to get a hold of at any one time. And by doing more of this, you actually make it harder for them to hold you accountable for any individual piece of it. And I don't, I don't think journalists ever figured out how to deal with that. I'm not sure that there is a good answer for how to deal with that. The problem is the willingness of the president and of uh, his enablers to uh, engage in this sort of behavior
2: yeah absolutely so now what you essentially do have is the president and lots of his supporters as you say successfully convincing huge swathes of america that the election was illegitimate that there was voter fraud even if there's no evidence of that and the cases are being thrown out of court just before we move
0: on how does the mainstream media deal with that I think it's it's a very tricky situation. You know, the It's difficult to properly assess the risk and thus to know exactly how to handle it. I think at the very least, journalists really need to be explaining to their audiences how weak the president's cases are, how uh, little evidence that has been presented, uh, the the fact that, uh, various allegations keep getting thrown out of court altogether, uh, and are nonetheless continuing to be parroted by the president. The reality, though, is that a lot of this is out of their control. You know, you have a situation where a vast swath of the U.S. populace is only listening to right-wing media sources. They're only paying attention to Fox News and you know the stuff that they see on their Facebook pages, and it. There, they get a sort of 24-7 barrage of lies and disinformation. uh, And the press can't actually crack that.
2: Now, a huge amount of Joe Biden's post-victory messaging was actually about unity. He said, it's a time to heal. He talked about emphasis, the United States of America... Even if he takes office, which actually doesn't appear to be a given, how is it possible to have a United States of America when you have essentially a propagandic network that every night millions of people are tuning into to be told that Democrats are evil and the election has been stolen?
0: I do think at the end of the day, Joe Biden will be president. I I, I do want to step back a a little bit from the ledge on that one. I I think that we have uh, certainly more chaos and uncertainty in the process uh, than uh, people would like. But but I do think that that is where we're headed. But, but I think you, you are correct that a large percentage of the populace at this point is unlikely to accept that, that the combination of President Trump and congressional Republicans and networks like Fox News all preaching this same message of an illegitimate election Ah uh, is likely to stick with a big percentage of their base. Their incentives are are not to have a sort of united sentiment. Their their incentives are to tear the country apart as much as possible for their own political and and financial gain. Um, and, and that sort of what do you mean direction. by that? Do,
2: do, why why does that benefit them?
0: Conservatives in the media obviously benefit from preaching a message of division because it keeps their audience coming back to them. If you, if you start telling your conservative audience that actually Joe Biden is okay and we should all work together, your, your audience is going to become substantially less engaged. So, um, you actually think this
2: is more of a capitalist thing that what they're what they're doing now is actually driven a lot by economic incentives and incentives to keep their audience rather <laughs> rather than an actual political I mean, you think they're making I mean, a political play as well?
0: I mean, I, I think that they are conservative ideologues, mm-hmm. but I think that they also are people who have jobs and and like to have. Uh, more audience rather than less audience, um, and I think that those two things can work together uh, in tandem as, as motivating forces for them.
2: What do you say to people who think it's just two sides of the same coin? You know, you have Rachel Meadow and Chris Hayes on one side, and you have Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity on the other.
0: I mean, I don't think that the uh, I don't think the content analysis is accurate. I think that MSNBC's uh, coverage is, is much more honest than Fox News's. But even if you just ignore that entirely, the level of influence that Fox News has is wildly greater than any media outlet has had on any president uh, in, in modern history. It's, it's just an astonishing level of power wielded by people whose jobs it is to uh, rile up uh, Americans and get them in, keep them coming back uh, to hear more uh, hateful rhetoric. And that's the job description for Fox News hosts
2: Yeah, well, but the the idea of Fox News News from a conservative perspective Isn't bad in and of itself I guess the problem for you now Is that you essentially have a propaganda network That is no longer reflecting uh, the reality That's playing out on the ground Yes, I
0: mean, mean, there are shows that you can point to That that are news with a more conservative perspective But a, a show like... Sean Hannity's or Tucker Carlson's on Laura or Laura Ingram's on Fox News. which These are their primetime shows. They have you know, three, four, five million viewers every night. Those are not from a conservative perspective. They they are propaganda shows. They are creating a. A deep seated alternative narrative that is just wildly filled with conspiracy theories uh, and falsehoods. And there is not enough basis in reality to rebut it necessarily or to try to pull people out of it uh, by providing them some information for, from a different uh, perspective. Mm-hmm.
2: Have technology companies done enough to stop democracy being undermined? I know that uh, Facebook and Twitter, they added uh, labels on the bottom of claims of election fraud saying they're disputed. Should they have said those claims about election fraud were false, have they done enough?
0: I I think the, the underlying model of Facebook in particular, but social media networks in general, is just very, very difficult to square with trying to create a... Healthy information system. The scale is so large that it's incredibly difficult to patrol without substantially larger resources than the uh, companies are willing to pour into them. You've seen some progress, I think, uh, and uh, the progress mainly, I-, I think, raises the question of why why it took so long to do all of this uh, in the first place. But I, I think broadly the problems of scale and scope are incredibly difficult to solve with little notes on uh, particular claims.
2: Does an organisation like Facebook have a similar dilemma to the traditional media, where these uh, institutions are struggling to make truth claims about things that are objectively false because it will end up with Republicans accusing them of bias?
0: Yeah, I think they're using, Republicans are using the exact same playbook against social media companies that they deployed against media outlets for decades. They make these broad claims of bias. Anything that amounts to attempting to restrict misinformation is portrayed by those Republicans as an attack on the Republican Party. You can have a social media platform that Favors true information, or you can have a social media platform that treats mainstream outlets and conservative outlets the same. But you can't have both of those at the same time because the conservative media outlets have uh, much less of a connection to uh, accuracy and truth than the mainstream outlets do. That's just that's just a fact. And so, if you're not willing to say, okay, we're going to reduce distribution, of some of these conservative outlets because we think that they're peddling lies you're going to end up with a lot of lies peddled on your service
2: is this the guiding principle that has to be there going forward for tech companies for traditional media you just need to elevate truth and eliminate misinformation and pursue those goals relentlessly no matter which side of the aisle that truth or that misinformation is coming from
0: I think you have to. If, if that's not what you're doing, then what are you doing? You're, you're passing more lies off to more, to more of your audience. Uh, you're really doing damage to the political system by uh, ensuring that uh, the process is tainted with falsehood.
2: Hey, thank you so much for joining me, Matthew Gertz.
1: Thanks for having me. That was Matthew Gertz from the US media watchdog Media Matters, which was set up in 2001 to monitor the conservative US media. There he was talking to Hayden Donnell. And you can hear more of that conversation on the Media Watch page of the RNZ website, rnz.co.nz, or our section of the RNZ app, or you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. And there you'll also hear more from Hayden about that in this week's Midweek Media Watch, where he also spoke to Karen Hay about flabby ex-All Blacks making great reality TV and doing current affairs in the form of song.